You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. More than 200 provincial firefighters sent to help battle wildfires in eastern Canada have now been called back to B.C. Wildfire activity picking up considerably in recent days, especially in the Okanagan. This is a live shot near Summerland tonight where helicopters are bucketing the flames. And while the situation calmed down a bit throughout the day, crews are not letting up. Across the province, 127 wildfires are burning tonight. 11 fires of note, which are highly visible or pose a potential threat to public safety. And here's a closer look at what's happening in the Okanagan Valley, where gusty winds have been fanning the flames. Thousands are on evacuation alert. Hundreds ordered out of their homes. Nadia Stewart has a look at the impact. An aggressive aerial attack on a 1,000 hectare blaze. The Mount Aeneas wildfire still burning out of control. This fire now prompting an escalated response. More than 800 residents are on evacuation alert in the regional district of central Okanagan. Most of us have got generators because we've all got RVs. Uh, we've been down this road before, so most of us are prepared for it one way or the other. The Mount Aeneas wildfire started Tuesday. It has grown over the last 48 hours, making it one of the biggest fires in the province right now. From Penticton to Peachland, there are 14 others burning. Over 200 firefighters are on the ground and more resources are en route. Our strategies are to protect life and property. But as always, their strategy is at the mercy of the weather. At one point, there was a concern. The Mount Aeneas fire and two others nearby could merge into one, but that did not happen. The biggest challenge now comes as night falls. And at night, in the dark, strong winds, you know, those are all things that just, they look really bad and they can potentially be really bad, but we have very limited options in the dark, unfortunately. It seems daytime conditions are more favorable. In fact, evacuation alerts have been cancelled for the Good Creek Fire and some Law Creek Fire evacuation orders have been rescinded. Residents there, not convinced they were ever needed to begin with. There's lots of guys working. I don't see any flames, just smoke. I think they're just mopping up. Looks like it's over. But as long as these plumes are visible, residents will no doubt be on edge. It is a concern, but uh, they know what they're doing, and yeah, I'm ready. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Our Ramina Dea is live near Summerland once again tonight with more on the conditions there. Ramina? Sophie, the biggest threat to homes right now is the Mount Aeneas fire that... Um, that was talked about in the package that you just heard. Now, crews have been bucketing this fire for more than nine hours, and they're still going. Firefighters are dealing with some very steep and rocky terrain on the ground. Um, the wind is kicking up again, just as it did yesterday at 6 o'clock. And... It's shifting, though, so that's that's a good sign. The fire is actually burning onto itself, away from fresh fuel. So crews are making some headway, but it is still considered out of control. What they really need right now is rain, and that is not in the forecast. As far as Highway 97 goes, though, what a different scene compared to yesterday at this same time. When 
the highway was closed in both directions. There were four-hour waits, and right now the highway is actually open in both directions. Peachland and Summerland are open for business. The town centres have not been affected. Back to you. As we know, things can change day to day, so hopefully uh, the weather will continue to remain cool and the winds uh, a little calmer. Ramina, thank you. Now, as the fires continue to burn, we are hearing all kinds of stories related to the impact they're having, including a couple from the Lower Mainland who were supposed to get married at the Fitzpatrick Winery south of Peachland this weekend. Initially completely shocked and then heartbroken. Just three days before Tyler Balaban and his fiancée Ronnie Quetney were supposed to say their I do's, the Fitzpatrick family vineyards at Greta Ranch was forced to shut down due to an evacuation order. The couple took to social media for help and the outpouring of support was tremendous. Probably 60 to 80 people have reached out from complete strangers being like, we have a nice house, uh, you guys can have the front lawn, you can have the place for the night, to a whole bunch of wineries reaching out. And they just really focused on saying, hey, we're here for you, and the support from the community has been um, immaculate. Well, thankfully, the couple did manage to secure another venue, and they will tie the knot tomorrow. Congratulations. So how far have we dipped into the, into the wildfire fighting budget so far? You might be surprised by the number. Keith Bald rejoins us in Victoria with more on how much has been spent. Keith? Yeah, Sophie, fighting fires is expensive, a record uh, level last year. But here's the current situation. Uh, first of all, the budget for this year was $63 million. That's based on a rolling 10-year average, not really a forecast or anything. But already, as you can see, year-to-date spending already eclipsed the budget, $89 million. So we're already over budget as we were last year. Last year at this time, what was the total? $112 million. Uh, so running a little behind last year. But take a look at the bottom number. This is the year uh, to date from last year, six hundred. $48 million. It's a five-fold increase from uh, this date last year to the end of the fire season. If the same thing holds this season, I'm not saying it's going to. In fact, officials hope and expect the fire season not to be as bad as last year. But if it comes anywhere near what it was like last year, we will have spent in excess of $500 million fighting forest fires, basically eclipsing almost entirely the NDP's contingency fund and pushing that barely balanced budget ever closer to potential deficit. That's how expensive fighting forest fires have become come in British Columbia for a number of reasons. Sylvie? Yeah, for sure. All right, Keith Baldry reporting in Victoria. Keith, thank yeah. you. Well, the Salvation Army mobilizing its emergency response units to support first responders and wildfire evacuees around the province. As of today, 18 emergency community response units are on standby. They're equipped with stoves, fridges, and grills to serve on location, and they can quickly relocate should circumstances change. Already active in West Kelowna and Penticton, the Army's on the ground providing food, hydration, blankets, and emotional and spiritual support to those being impacted. Currently, we are serving at the Peachland Fire Hall with our teams from Penticton, uh, serving three meals, 50 50. 50 meals three times per day and we have 18 trucks in the province ready ready to go if this escalates we hope and pray it doesn't last year the salvation army provided more than 260,000 meals and hydration items to first responders evacuees and others affected by the devastation and more evidence of just how dry it is out there right now 
those out enjoying a day on the water, capturing this video of a small brush fire in West Vancouver in the Eagle Harbor area. It was in a challenging area to reach, but thankfully crews, including the fireboat, were quickly able to get the upper hand and bring it under control. Well, rental housing is a hot topic across the Lower Mainland, but in Burnaby tonight, a new strategy is being developed that would not only focus on maintaining current levels of rental housing, but also keeping rents at prices those being demovicted can afford. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, some are questioning if there's a different motive behind the plan. The old and the new. Metrotown has seen massive changes in the last half decade. The rents are skyrocketing, and people who have called this neighborhood home for so long quickly finding themselves looking elsewhere. So where are these people going to go? Demoviction has been at the center of a wave of protests and occupations and pleas to City Hall to stop tearing down affordable housing to create units that are aimed at a higher tax bracket. City Hall has all but ignored every attempt to keep existing rental stock until Thursday. A special council meeting put two new towers on hold and staff given a mandate to find a way to work in a one-to-one -one conversion ratio. For every unit torn down, another below market unit is built. The root of this problem is displacement. It's not if the city can uh, zone these for rental or for luxury condos. Nobody from city council responded to our request for comment today, but the man running against Derek Corrigan for mayor in October questions the timing of this latest move. It wasn't until it looked like he was getting evicted himself that somehow now he's showing some concern for these people. I think that's very suspicious. While Anthem Properties goes back to the drawing board for its two projects, there are plenty of buildings boarded up and ready for the wrecking ball. Demovictions have become an election issue in Burnaby. Derek Corrigan saying the city will be the first in B.C. to take advantage of new rules around rental-only zoning. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, might be a good idea to avoid the Lionsgate Bridge if you can on Saturday evening. Drivers can expect heavy traffic and delays as crews remove the temporary bridge plates and paved transitions that were installed during previous rehabilitation work. One lane will be open in each direction from 8 to 10 Saturday night to then from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. The bridge will be single alternating traffic. Drivers are encouraged to use the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge as an alternate route. That's coming up. But first, a new proposal by some B.C. First Nations and fishermen that's bound to spark a lot of controversy. They want the Federal Fisheries Ministry to improve a new West Coast seal hunt. Jill Bennett tells us why they want a new hunt and why it's being met with skepticism by opponents. For many, this is the image of harbor seals, cute and fun to watch. But for commercial fishermen on BC's west coast, this has become an all-too-familiar scene. Seals and sea lions targeting nets and taking the entire catch. The populations of the sea lion. This newly formed group made of commercial and sport fishermen and First Nations is calling for a west coast seal and sea lion hunt. We're at a breaking point today. If nothing's done in the next five years, let's write off every salmon on West Coast. The idea is a controversial one, but members say there is evidence showing seals and sea lions consume more salmon than all fisheries combined. There needs to be work done to coordinate to see what the seal population is. And no work is being done on the population status 
Um, we want to go about doing it the right way. We don't want to just kill seals. We want to harvest them and, and um, use the meat and the oil and everything in the pelts. There was a seal call in BC decades ago. Those wanting to bring one back say they know it will be met with opposition, but they also say their plan is different. It'll be a hunt. You'd be using a rifle and, you know, there, there's going to be technique. There's got to be a lot of education and training. It's not about just killing seals. It's about properly managing seals. As for the numbers that could be killed through permits, that still needs to be worked out. The total seal island seal population from basically California to the Aleutians is 4.1 million. It's that big. Uh, the west east coast is about 6 million. And the east coast have a DFO-sponsored harvest of 400,000 a year. The group is hoping the new federal fisheries minister, Jonathan Wilkinson from North Vancouver, will be more open to having a discussion given he's from the West Coast. So far, they haven't heard back. Jill Bennett, Global News. People in Missouri watching in horror as a tourist boat fights punishing lake swells and is swamped and sinks. In the end, 17 people died when the duck boat went down in Table Rock Lake in Branson, Missouri after being hit by a sudden storm. The big question tonight, should the boat have been on the water in the first place? Today, a grim recovery effort as divers pulled four more bodies from Table Rock Lake. The tragedy that left 17 people dead, including nine members of one family and driver Bob Williams, began in a furious storm. What a storm today on Table Rock. Need a water rescue. will be north of the showboat will be a duck that has capsized. This video captured by a horrified woman on the shore. Oh, those poor people. Moments later, the duck boat went down. The oldest victim, 70 years old. The youngest, just one. I'm so sad for the families, and I ask everyone to pray. We are with them 100% through our tears. Duck boats are popular with tourists across the country. The amphibious vehicles first used in World War II travel on land and then splash into the water. The dangerous thunderstorm yesterday was predicted. 65 mile per hour winds kicking up five foot waves. With the duck in trouble, more than a dozen employees at State Park Marina raced to help. But when they got there, 16 year old James Cox says there was no one to save. What did you see in the water? We saw debris everywhere, uh, empty life preservers. and Empty? Yeah. As if empty. nobody had put them on. Yep. It's very eerie just to see these life jackets floating and life rings floating and nobody in them. The National Transportation Safety Board has now launched an investigation into what went wrong. The duck boat tour company says it's cooperating. We just wish that it hadn't happened, uh, but... Uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to find out why it happened and, and make sure that it doesn't happen again. The duck went down here in about 80 feet of water. Federal officials now say they hope to have it out of the water sometime next week so they can inspect it to see if any mechanical issues contributed to this disaster. Duck boat tours have been involved in at least three other major accidents from Seattle to Philadelphia. Among the worst in 1999, 13 people drowned when a duck sank in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The disaster blamed on inadequate maintenance. Oh my God. Honey, get inside. That just, they just went a house. Is it coming this way? 
A major cleanup facing Iowa today after a shocking night of extreme weather. As many as 27 tornadoes were reported across the state, destroying hundreds of buildings and injuring 17 people. Thankfully, there were no fatalities. The forecasters say this same storm system is now barreling down on another, another 35 million people. In Toronto, police have now identified the eighth set of human remains connected to accused serial killer Bruce MacArthur. And as Global's Jamie Morocco reports, police say they hope this part of their investigation is finally over. Confirming what many had suspected, this morning Toronto police revealed... We have recovered and identified the remains of Majid Kaihan. One of the eight men former landscaper Bruce MacArthur is accused of killing and the last set of remains to be located. I think that we're done now. I hope that we're done now and there's nothing left to be found there. The announcement comes after forensic teams spend nine days combing through this Leaside property for the second time, making gruesome discoveries almost every day. These remains are dismembered to uh, identify, I hate to say it, but bits and pieces and, and link them up and whether they all link up to the remains that we've already recovered or whether they link up to Mr. Cayenne, we don't know yet. The 58-year-old was reported missing by his son in 2012. Said to have frequented the church in Wellesley area, he became a subject of Project Houston, an investigation into missing men from the village. I certainly am relieved. For community member Haran Vijayantathan, who has been following the case closely, the findings bring some closure. You know, and the up and down roller coaster, and I think now the community is just kind of, you know, bracing itself for whatever information. Preparing for the details they will hear during the trial, a process police are now turning their attention to, sifting through evidence, looking back at decades of missing men. I don't know if it stops at eight. I, ho I hope it stops at eight. Now focused on finding justice for the men, their families, and a community left behind. Jamie Marocker, Global News. Some tense moments in Florida this morning. Police called out to this accident on a bridge in Manatee County. A truck driver lost control and ended up dangling over the edge high above the river. The driver was able to crawl out of the cab. A crane was brought in and it took about two hours to get the truck back onto the bridge. Well, we all know summertime means vacations, but unfortunately it also means vacation scams. Not surprisingly, the internet is making it that much easier for con artists to cheat travelers. Tom Costello tells us where travel scams are at their worst and how to avoid them. You're packed and ready to go. The hotel or rental house is booked, but are you sure your reservations are legit? It looked beautiful on the site. I went to the site. They had all good reviews. The place looked amazing. Linda Carlson booked a North Carolina beach condo online. The ad promised beachfront super clean and included photos. But this is what they got instead. I wouldn't call this beachfront. The bathroom looked new in the ad, but Linda says they found holes in the ceiling and mildew in the tub. Oh, it was a dump. Summer is the high season for travel fraud as vacationers look to save money by booking through third parties and shady apps. Last year, 15 million rental scams cost up to $588 each on average. And beware if you travel overseas, Cancun, Paris, Madrid, and Barcelona are among the cities with the most fraudulent hotel reservations. How dare you take our house and scam someone out of their vacation and out of their money? In Oregon, scammers have twice stolen the ad Carolyn O'Brien placed to rent out her vacation home, then posted it on another site and charged unsuspecting victims, who showed up to learn the house was already rented. 
It's just heartbreaking because people look so forward to their weeks at the beach and with their entire family and holidays. To avoid getting scammed, experts advise only booking directly with hotels and reputable rental websites and be skeptical. If the deal or discount sounds too good to be true, it may be. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. An unusual twist tonight to the story of that poisonous mushroom we told you about earlier this week. Health officials are warning us about the highly toxic death cap now sprouting in some parts of B.C. It actually killed a three-year-old Victoria boy two years ago. But researchers at UBC have discovered that one of its toxic ingredients has the ability to kill pancreatic cancer cells, at least in the lab. They have also solved the problem of synthetically creating the toxin in sufficient quantities to further their testing and someday create medicines. The next step is to find a way to deliver the toxin to cancer cells without harming healthy cells. It's an exciting discovery because pancreatic cancer is particularly difficult to treat. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. And returning now to our top story, the wildfires burning in B.C. and a particular concern right now, those fires in the Okanagan. Let's check in with our Ramina Dea, who has been up since early this morning tracking the progress of the fire crews there. Ramina? Sophie, there have definitely been some winds today. You know, Highway 97 is now open in both directions, which is good news for tourists and residents. We just got news a short time ago that some evacuation alerts have been lifted in the Good Creek and Law Creek areas. It's significantly cooler tonight than it was yesterday. I'm actually wearing a jacket. Yesterday I was in short sleeves. It was scorching. Uh, the winds have shifted, so the fire is actually burning onto itself away from fresh fuel. So crews are making some headway, but they are definitely not in the clear. They are still out here bucketing the Aeneas fire. It's been 10 hours now that they've been doing that. The biggest fear right now, Sophie, is unforeseen weather like a cold front. And if that moves in, the winds could whip up and then they could be in trouble. Back to you. All right, we'll be checking that weather forecast momentarily. Ramina, thank you very much for that. A big furry dog left in a hot car. Passers-by obviously concerned right after the forecast why everyone is now laughing about the rescue attempt. All right, Christy Gordon uh, joins us now from RibFest in Port Moody. Just before we talk about the ribs, though, uh, obviously the concerning situation in the interior, and we'll really be watching the weather there for the next couple of days. Oh, yes, we absolutely will, Sophie. Why don't we get to the weather forecast and show rain that's pushing to the Kamloops area, but unfortunately, with a lot of lightning strikes as well. Let's zoom in and have a look. So we're hoping that that will drop from the problem is, is that it looks like it'll dissipate by the time it hits Kelowna. The winds have been out of the north today. That's pushed a lot of smoke. You can actually see it on this satellite image. Into areas like Penticton. Uh, much cooler air mass, though. That heard Ramina say. And the humidity has come up. But it's been mainly north of Kelowna that you've seen those higher relative humidity because of rainfall. Now, there are the winds. The best is that the in areas like Kelowna, 50. All right, Sophie, uh, I guess we're having technical yeah. difficulties. Sorry, I'll Christy. pass it back to you. Yeah, sorry about that, Christy. We're having some technical difficulties. So uh, we'll work on that and we'll check back with you uh, in a bit.
Uh, all right, now, what started as another hot dog, uh, hot dog, I should say, in a car drama in Victoria, ended with a good laugh all around. When passersby saw this fuzzy dog unresponsive in the backseat of a hot car, well, they took matters into their own hands and broke the window to get it out. Problem was, it was a stuffed dog, a toy dog that Blake and Marla Handley kept in their car to remind them of their now deceased colleague. The Handleys appreciated the fact that the other couple stuck around to explain and have now put a tag on the toy dog to prevent another unnecessary rescue. They do still have a deductible to pay, though. Well, for the record, the SPCA says if you spot a dog in a hot car, you should call them and they will either come out for, uh, come out rather, or call the police. Breaking the window, even in a case like this, is actually against the law. Vancouver has a new piece of public art, and if you are anywhere near it, it's pretty much impossible to miss. As Julia Foy reports, not surprisingly, it's getting mixed reviews. From high above Leg and Boot Square near Granville Island, a giant metal art piece is descending from the sky. It's, not as heavy as it's massive, it's rusty, it's an anvil. Hold it there. And the artist behind the object explains why. It sort of references boat hulls and the ocean and old industrial heritage anyway, and so I think this is this is in many ways the natural place for it. Lasser's work is called Acoustic Anvil, a small weight to forge the sea. It's part of Vancouver's Biennale, which celebrates public art. As the anvil was making its debut, the crowd had mixed emotions. It's ugly. But I, first thing I said needs paint job. I actually like it. I like the rust on it. I like the acoustical element of it. It's uh, an anvil, and an anvil isn't original. But in fact, this anvil is original, not only for its size, but also because it can play music. From the center of this supposed, you know, solid mass of iron comes the sound of the sea. We put a mic inside the sound hole to capture some of the haunting notes. The notion of holding a nautilus shell up to your ear and hearing that reverberation of the ocean, I kind of wanted to mirror that in this piece. But like many great artworks, everyone has an opinion. Well, it's beautiful, yes, I love it. Some people love it. No understand, no understand. This is no classic. The acoustic anvil will grace Leg and Boot Square for the next two years. The fact that it plays the sound of the ocean through the sound hole, it was important to have it looking out to the sea. Julia Foy, Global News. All right, we uh, kicked the equipment a little bit and we got it working again. Christy Gordon <laughs> is at Ribfest in Port Moody. Christy? Thanks so much, Soph. I thought I would pick it up by talking about the winds that we've seen Gasa in the Kelowna region up to 50 kilometers an hour. That's been a tough go for the firefighters out there. We are hoping that it will die down, though, overnight. The rain is going to push in, but unfortunately, touching just into the Kamloops area, there's a chance that areas like Kelowna could see a millimeter, but that's about it, really. The bulk of that is going to dissipate by the time it makes its way further south. So a lot of the rain for tomorrow in the BC Peace River area, central interior, but mainly 
mainly in the morning. And then down through the south, there's a chance of showers into areas like Kamloops and Revelstoke, but otherwise further south, mainly dry. We will see much cooler conditions, so 19 is a high. So that's great news there for our region. We start to warm up tomorrow. We'll wake up to maybe some cloud cover. Otherwise, a spectacular weekend in store for us with highs up to 29 degrees on Sunday. I want to introduce you to one of the organizers of RibFest. This is Claire Lambert. She is a uh Put on a huge event. Now, I'm really impressed. There are families, kids, dogs, and amazing rids. Five different vendors. How many people are you expecting here this weekend? We're expecting around 40,000 people over the three days, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, from 11 till 9 p.m. That's great. Lots of uh, lots of time for people to come down, and it will be a fantastic weekend. The great part about this, and this isn't put on by the, by the city. This is a smaller group that's put this together. Yeah, this is Port Moody Rotary Club that has put this together. There's 40 members. We meet on Wednesday mornings, and uh, the proceeds actually from this um, or, or for this from this event go to things such as uh, we send kids to camp every year. About 32 camps, kids to Camp Jubilee that might not be able to go to camp. We've helped out with Eagle Ridge Manor. We've given over 200000 to them over the last 19 years of being a Rotary Club. And we help with um, soccer camps and things like that, the soccer teams. And a lot of those kids are volunteering here. We have 650 volunteers. So if ribs aren't enough and amazing beer, because yes. of course, uh, what is it, Brewers Row is yeah. just over here. You can, of course, make it, it feels good by giving back to the community right here in, in Port Moody. So what can people expect, just quickly? We've got 18 live bands over the whole weekend. Um, there's an amazing kids zone. It's got tons of good stuff. There's a climbing wall, uh, lots of good things for the kids. There's a family beer garden. Yeah. Um, there's a, a VIP zone and there's a regular beer garden. And it's free to get in. All you have to do is pay for your beer and your ribs and music all weekend long. Yeah, we perfect. just need sunscreen. Thanks so much, Thank Claire, you. for having us here. We'll toss it back to you in the studio. So this is where I'm going to be all weekend long. Oh, kidding. Save me a spot, Christy. Yeah. Thank you very much. What are we doing in here? Yeah, I know. You can, you can waft some of that rib uh, barbecue ribs. really questioning my life choices right now. We love barbecue. Uh, the BC Summer Games are now in full swing on Vancouver Island. Athletes, coaches, and parents from across the province in the Cowichan Valley. Paul Hasem joins us with more on the games and what it all means for the area. Paul? <laughs> Yeah, it is games on here in the Couch and Valley. The BC Summer Games officially underway. We're talking 3,200 athletes, 18 sports. Today we're here at softball and baseball. But anywhere you turn, there's a sport going on. And I'm joined by BC Summer Games President Jennifer Woik. Jennifer, it's finally here. The planning's here. It must feel pretty good to get going. It feels good. After 26 months of preparation, this feels awesome. And yeah, the community's come out in full force. Last night, for instance, our opening ceremony ceremonies, we pulled about 6,000 people from our community out just to watch. So on top of the athletes that were there, there's a big crowd. But this takes an army, it really does. We're talking parents, families, and the volunteers, almost 2,500 of them, right? Yeah, 2,500 volunteers. We've had about 300 of those hard at work for a year. And the rest of them have come on in the last couple of months, and uh, they're making it happen. All right, well, Jennifer Woik, congratulations on Thank what you. has been a stellar game so far. And keep it here on Global, on BC1, online, globalnews.ca. We've got the BC Summer Games covered right the way till closing ceremonies on Sunday. Love your enthusiasm, Paul. Thank you. He is. He's very chipper. <laughs> well, all those kids, youthful enthusiasm. Games. You know, the kids, they energize us. I forget it. Youthful enthusiasm. <laughs>
anyone under 40 years old for us now. Oh, yeah. Or we passed. All right, go ahead. All right, we're going to talk some soccer. Thanks, Soap. Um, Alfonso Davies could be headed to the English Premier League rather quickly. Huddersfield Town of the EPL is apparently willing to offer upwards of 10 million pounds or about 17 million Canadian dollars to the Whitecaps for the 17-year-old Davies who wouldn't be eligible to move until he turns 18 in November. Other reports have Huddersfield Town paying between 15 and 25 million pounds uh, and their manager is willing to give Davies playing time in the Premiership right away. Huddersfield Town finished 16th out of 20 teams last year. Other teams like Manchester United have also expressed interest in Davies. By the way, Davies did not train with the Whitecaps today and he is healthy, so that fuels the rumors even more, doesn't it? Davies likely then won't play tomorrow afternoon in Seattle. Both teams are desperate for points. The Caps are 8th in the West. The Sounders, the two-time conference champs, are way down in 10th, nine points behind Vancouver. It's going to be a great battle, I think, because obviously everybody knows that atmosphere, how it is in Seattle, and we want to, to bring that W. So it's going to be hard, but nothing possible. We're in a position where we need points, um, both of us. So... Every, every point counts right now. Uh, if we can go over there and get all three points from them, it would be great. But definitely we, don't wanna, we wanna make sure that they don't you know, take all three points from us. All right, Lions back at it tonight in Ottawa, looking for their first road win of 2018. Travis Lule's first throw of the night, complete to Manny Arsenault for 35 yards. They did miss the field goal attempt, but a bright start for Lule in the offense after that big comeback win last week versus Winnipeg. Later in the first, after an Odell Willis unsportsmanlike penalty kept their drive alive, Ottawa converts second and 22. Trevor Harris to Brad Sinopoli led to a field goal. 6-0 Red Blacks. But the uh, Lions respond with a long drive. 79 yards, 6 minutes, capped by this Travis Lule to Ricky Collins. Touchdown, who then uh, takes out the security guard, although that guy's firmly planted. He moved, but did not go down. 7-6 uh, BC. Then the defense steps up. Odell Willis with the sack, making up for that bad penalty earlier. It's the 90th sack of his career. Lions come back for more. Lule airing it out this time to Ricky Collins one more time. 40 yards down the middle, takes the big hit, hangs on there. Kravis starting to find his form with his second straight game. It leads to this Brandon Rutley touchdown. He's playing in place of the injured Jeremiah Johnson, and the Lions playing well, up 22-12 now in the third. Jay Durant's going to have all the highlights tonight on NewsHour Final. The Canucks have signed local boy Troy Stetcher to a new two-year contract worth over $2.3 million per season. Even though he's one of their smallest blue liners, I think he's the fiercest competitor they have back there, and he's got offensive upside as well, and he's young, just 24 years old. Second round of the Open Championship from Carnoustie. Rainy conditions for the morning wave. More like the British Open that we're used to seeing. Luckily for Adam Hadwin, he played in the afternoon when it was sunny and the only Canadian in the field is going to play the weekend. Check out this second shot on the par five. Lands it to two feet, made that for Eagle. One under 70 today, he's at one over. He made the cut by a couple of shots. Tiger Woods, long birdie here at the fifth, goes down. Tiger shot even par today. Even for the tournament as well. 2014 Open champion Rory McElroy in contention. Back to back 69s for Rory. He is at four under, two off the lead. All the former champs playing well today. 2015 champ Zach Johnson always plays well at this major. 18th hole, finishes in style, long birdie. 
Caps a 467. He's tied with Kevin Kistner at 600. They are the co-leaders through 36. Round of the day goes to the Englishman with the good hair, Tommy Fleetwood. Bogey-free 665. Caps his round on 18 with a birdie. Just one off the lead at minus 5. 2013 champ Phil Mickelson shook off a 7 earlier in his round. Makes the birdie here like Tiger. He's even and six off the lead. World number one Dustin Johnson had to birdie the 18th to make the cut. Instead, chops it into the burn. Made double bogey, finished at plus six, and he will not play the weekend. Ricky Fowler still searching for that first major in good position. Nice approach here by Ricky, led to birdie. He's at three under, just three off the lead. A lot of big names chasing the Claret Jug this weekend. Jordan Spieth, last year's champ who's uh, staying in the same house as Fowler this week with the hole out for birdie here, also at three under, packed leaderboard as they head to the weekend at Carnoustie. Little Airbnb? Little, that's right, yeah, Airbnb with, uh, <laughs> to the five-star Airbnb. Yeah, I, I bet. Believe. Yeah, they have their own chef, apparently. They said the food is great. Who gets the bigger room, though? Uh, well, I, you know, 5,000 square feet. I guess there's room for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, Barry. Coming up on ET Canada, Roseanne's new rant and Whoopi's new battle and Outlander's Sam Hewen previews his new big screen comedy. All of that is coming up at 7 right after the news hour for now. It's back to you, Sophie. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, legend has it there's a long lost trail that winds through the old growth forests of Cougar Mountain just outside Whistler and it leads to a hidden valley. Now, tourists can walk the trail at night and hear and see the story told with lights, songs, and perhaps a bit of magic. Lynn Collier has a preview. When visitors head into the woods to see Vallea Lumina, they're sure to get a big surprise. This is the latest attraction built by Whistler-based The Adventure Group. It's a great connection to nature. It's uh, an incredible piece of storytelling that Moment Factory and their creative team have, have brought here. The story is based on the legend of a lost father and his daughter from a mining camp. We see characters appear in the, in the tents, so there's projections, but the way that we build it, we don't understand. People won't see projection at the first sight. What they see, it's like, is there somebody in a tent and, or not? And then at some point, those tents and the characters that is, are plunged into a magical uh, storm that is in light and sound. A kilometer and a half long trail takes you to different stages where trees talk and lights shine. A multimedia show they hope will overload your senses. Happiness, yeah, and a sense of wonder. Um, to, to, to be in touch with uh, pure magic. Here in Whistler, we have been very touched by the beauty of nature and the authenticity of the people. I can't let any of the secrets out, but it's well worth, well worth the visit. Beautiful light imagery and uh, a lovely stroll through the forest. It's awesome. It's absolutely incredible walking through and the trees are talking to you and the lights are dancing. It's brilliant. It was awesome. It was totally cool. Really, really fun. Lots of walking, lots of stairs, but it was really, really cool. Lynn Collier, Global News. Looks Cirque du Soleil-ish. Yeah, I was going to say, a little Disney, a little Disney-ish mm. as well. So. Very cool. All right, let's head back out to Port Moody and Ribfest, where Christy Gordon is looking at the forecast. Obviously, uh, the fire zone in the Okanagan a concern, Christy. 
Yes, and so we are watching a band of rain move down, but we're expecting it just to touch in the northern part of the Okanagan. They may see a millimeter in through the Kelowna area, and that would be about it. Otherwise, though, tomorrow it will be dry, but temperatures are only going to warm up to about 19 degrees. So that is good news. They'll see some cloud cover that will drop the temperatures as well. And uh, that's a bit of relief for the forest fires uh, in that area. Sophie, great time down here at Rib Fest. Happens all weekend long from nine or from 11 till 9, both Saturday, Sunday. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll keep you updated on the wildfire situation here on Global, on BC1 and online. Globalnews.ca slash BC.